So I think a little explanation is in order uh, where we started reading this, this evening. Uh, consciousness is only on the way. And some other comments were made in reference to consciousness and how we have to understand. It's also, as the author stated, it's like a hostel. And I think you, you can kind of relate in that throughout your life, your awareness, your consciousness, your perception of things, and your cataloging of things changes. In early life, we certainly have a different outlook on the prospects that lie ahead than the outlook you have at the end of life looking back. And both of those concepts, looking ahead and looking back, are different from the active concepts that you may have during the middle of your life, during your active period. Consciousness is also changing according to the time of our body. And it's also changing according to the time of the environment, isn't it? We can see the consciousness we have now is different from the consciousness that was prevalent when we were conquering the West and, and pushing the the Native Americans aside so we could have the land and forging our railroads and trying to tie it all together and, and going through a, an industrial revolution and then getting tied up in world wars where we thought if we did not fight these wars, all would be lost in our society to a time of complete frustration. Uh, I grew up in that time, the, the frustration time, the hippie era. The consciousness was different from the frontier era, and the consciousness was entirely different than it is now. What to speak of the consciousness during that period than the, the consciousness of 30 years later when it was the madness for money. Everybody was mad for money and stocks and corporate and growth and everything, and now just uh, 10 years later we're looking back and we're all reeling from... What happened to our comforts and what happened to our jobs? What happened? What happened? And trying to put it back together. Oh, it, it, it's going to recover and hopefully it will. It may not. Then we'll have another consciousness. Very much at the survival stage. Maybe more of us will be living in boxes than in homes. Uh, let's hope not. But it happened before. The times change, our consciousness changes. Our individual age within the body changes. Our consciousness changes. So that's what the author is talking about. The hostels along the way, along the path of our life, we adapt various consciousness according to the environment, according to the age of our body, according to our own aspirations. And our aspirations in life also change. So consciousness is like like a psychedelic experience. It's always changing. One time we're seeing everything through this color and then we're seeing through a different color, through a different, through a different desire, through a different set of time, through a different set of, of age. Consciousness is also not the home. That's the point the author's trying to make. There's something even deeper than the consciousness which we so much relate to. Deeper than that is our true being. And that's 
the true purpose of spirituality. That's the intent of spiritual endeavor is to get to that home comfort. He spoke of home comfort. Home comfort meaning that true position where our realized, our knowledge becomes experiential of our, spirit, of our true spiritual position. That has to be our aspiration in the pursuit of self-realization. And we have to be able to develop fine discrimination so that we're not confused along the way. Fine discrimination means that we're going to have to continually analyze our consciousness. We don't want to get waylaid by some particular consciousness that can pull us from that goal of self-realization, of spiritual realization, of transcendental love, love above this plane on the transcendental plane with that supreme lover, the supreme Lord. He's our dear most friend. There's no loving exchange on this plane that can ever compare to that love. And as the author explained, there is good guidance for us along this road. It is there. And that good guidance comes from those who have, trans, who have traveled the path of spiritual awareness, have learned thoroughly what are the pitfalls, and are willing to give us their good guidance so that we can avoid them and quickly come to the goal. And specifically in this age, and it's hard for us to sometimes get our head around the, the fact of the matter, but in the ages of mankind, this is the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> Imagine living in one body and being able to fix your consciousness and, and acquire enough knowledge where you live for 100,000 years in one body, 10,000 years, 1,000 years. What are we stuck with? A measly 100. And not many of us even make it to the 100 mark. I just saw something on the news. Uh, they showed uh, the lady, I believe she's in, in Mexico, uh, 114, almost 115. And supposedly she's the oldest and she has a birth certificate to prove it saw it on the web today. That's the exception to the rule, isn't it? Most of us don't make it to that hundred centennial year marker. How to perfect and control our consciousness and attain the highest goal of self-realization and purity can be daunting. How can we do it? What to speak if we come to spiritual life, if we meet those perfect guides, that good guidance later in life? We think, oh, I'll never, I can never make up for all the time lost. Well, there's a unique characteristic in this age because of our condition. It's a natural thing. It's a natural, merciful nature that 
that we have inherited from the Supreme Lord, Krishna, Jesus, whatever name we want to use, and that is when you see someone in the most distress, everyone rushes to help, except in New York City, but we'll set that aside. <laughs> in normal conditions, when somebody's in distress, everybody is coming. Oh, please, what can I do? What can I do to help? If there's an accident, everybody stops their vehicle and runs immediately. If there's a fire, everyone's rushing to help. Similarly, in this age, considering the fallen condition of mankind, all those saintly, spiritual, empowered personalities are rushing to help in this age. That's the special significance. Even the Lord himself rushed in this age to invent and give us a simple formula for purification. It's a magnificent formula. Harinama, 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 Eva Kiva, Kalo Nastyeva, 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 Gach. In this age, there's no other way, there's no other way, there's no other way than chanting the holy names. We can try all of the gyan, all of the yoga, all of the fruitive activities that we want, but those paths will not get us to the topmost plane of spiritual realization. Harinama. But this chanting, this will do it. And it does it very, very quickly and very effectively. Bhagavad Gita. As all surrender unto me, I reward them accordingly. Everyone follows my path in all respects, O son of Krita. Majana Trimanandasya Arjuna Arjuna Salakaya Chakshun Militanyena Tasma Shri Gurave Namaha I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual masters opened my eyes with the torch light of knowledge. I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. Going back to the 10th verse, being free from attachment, fear, and anger, being fully absorbed in me and taking refuge in me, many, many persons in the past became purified by knowledge of me, and thus they all attained transcendental love for me. Last week you, you reviewed the verse of, of just the, the benedictions available to us simply by understanding the transcendental nature of the Lord. Just by understanding his nature and being able to distinguish between his nature and our nature, that's preliminary on the path of spiritual advancement. The greatest fault of the transcendentalist and the last pitfall, it's referred to the last pitfall of, of, of the living entity in the, his spiritual pursuit is the pitfall of thinking that there is no distinction between the Supreme Lord the Supreme Personality of Godhead and ourselves. 
And that requires some deep, deep contemplation. Because when we come to an understanding of what is material and what is spiritual, what is matter and what is spirit, the Vedas, the Upanishads, the essence of transcendental knowledge, comes to us and heralds the nature of our true self as being completely distinct from this material body and from these material activities. We're a spirit soul. And the fact that we are in this temporary body and in these, this, this temporary environment is, has no real bearing on our true existence. It's a temporary situation. So those that are pursuing spiritual life, that's the first thing they come to realize. I'm not, I have nothing to do with this material situation. I'm spirit soul. Spirit is pure, uncontaminated, unadulterated. And that's me. It is you. It is our true being. Our true self is spiritual. And since I'm pure spirit, then there's really no distinction between myself and the all spirit, the great spirit, the great spirit in the sky. We have these conceptions. So because I'm spirit, because I'm ultimately pure, because I truly, this material world doesn't affect me, then what's the difference between me and myself and God? I'm pure. He's pure. I'm God. And there's a class of spiritualists who that's as far as their understanding goes. Although they understand that this atmosphere is a false covering of the spirit soul, they don't quite get the point that we're under the control of the environment when we associate with the environment. The concept of false ego is there. When I believe I'm this body, when I believe the, I'm these senses, when I believe that this environment is here for my exploitation, then I become subject to outside influences that I have no control over. Well, they just think, well, I'm pure spirit soul, so I'll, I will, by my own power, conquer over these influences. And that is their spiritual practice. We refer to these people as jnanis and yogis. Their practices are different. Their goal is the same. The jnanis, they believe that simply by acquiring knowledge of what is material and what is spiritual, they can conquer over matter. They can discriminate themselves out of material existence. I'm not this, I'm not that. Nati, nati, nati. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. What's left? My true spiritual existence. And the yogis, they think that if they turn off the senses, turn off the valves for the hearing and the smelling and the seeing and the tasting and the feeling and the working senses, if I just shut off everything, then I'll be able to be in my true spiritual position. I, the, this environment won't influence me. 
And both of these things are true. These are true spiritual paths. And they both ultimately lead to liberation, mukti. But what they fail to recognize is when we talk about our true self, our spiritual existence, when we understand our true being, that true spiritual existence is not without spiritual variegatedness. They believe that if there is any activity, it has to be material activity. That's where they get it wrong. They don't understand that in the spiritual realm, there is also activity. There is also love. There is also relationships. There are also families. All these things are there in the spiritual plane. But their frustration with the material plane and how it's invoked suffering upon them and how it creates an unpleasant atmosphere for their true self leads them to believe without proper guidance it leads them to believe that anything that has any variety cannot be spiritual. This path of knowledge, jnan, and the path of yoga, the path of mystical yoga, these paths are transcendental and they lead to liberation or freedom from the suffering of material existence. That's what liberation means. I'm free from having this environment impose suffering and enjoyment upon me that's, uh, that I don't desire. But in becoming liberated, they fail to recognize the deep essence of spiritual knowledge. And the deep essence is there that at every stage, our spiritual being is simply a manifestation of the energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, at the end of the purport of the verse we read, Bhaktivedanta Swami, he quotes this, Sakarma sarva karma va, moksa karma uttaradi, travena bhakti yogena, yajata purusham param. Whether one is without desire, the condition of the devotees, or is desirous of all fruit of activities, or is after liberation, one should, with all effort, try to worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead for complete perfection, culminating in Krishna consciousness. In other words, these other paths, these other paths of transcendental endeavor, those of the, of the knowledge seekers, who can discriminate their way out of trouble, and those of the, the yogis who can shut off the senses and get themselves out of trouble. Th those are certainly valid paths, but they don't lead quickly to the ultimate goal. They lead to liberation, but the liberation that is sought by the practitioners of those paths is simply a liberation which is the relief of suffering. Those that are a little bit more advanced 
in transcendental realization and spiritual realization, they, they shy away from those paths. And they say, if I'm my, the pure essence of my being is spiritual, let me simply begin to act on that spiritual plane. And if I act spiritually on this plane by serving that supreme personality, then there's truly no involvement of me in the laws of karma, in the actions and reactions and the sufferings and enjoyments of this material world. It's an immediate process. Now, let's step back a minute and understand how this process is so unique. What's truly amazing about this process of immediately taking up spiritual activities under the direction of those who are able to distinguish and give us a prescription of spiritual activities, just like a, a medicine that we take, is that from the Lord's viewpoint, is there truly anything that is not of Him? No. Parashya Saktir Vividaiva Shruyate. The Lord has unlimited manifested energies, and they're all coming from Him, and they all have specific purposes. So, from His viewpoint, it's all His energy. The energy that manifests this world, the energy that manifests the spiritual world, the energy that is us, his infinitesimal tiny particles of spiritual consciousness, which has come forth from him. All this from his viewpoint is absolute. It's all transcendental. It's all coming from him. It's all perfect. It's all complete. Om Purnam Araha Purnam Idam. Everything coming from the perfect complete is also perfect to complete in and of itself. That's the aphorism of the, of the Upanishads, the Isopanishad. Om Purnam Araha Purnam Idam. If everything from the Lord's viewpoint is perfect and complete and all of it is His energy, if we put all of our energy into serving him, then we immediately come to the spiritual plane. We don't have to go through the troublesome path of knowledge. Not this, not this, it's not this, I'm not that, I am. What do they say? Tatwamasi, I am. I am that. I am that. That what? That all. That all spiritual. So that is their main, the Mayavadis, that's their main mantra. They chant this. Instead of chanting Om and understanding the true nature of that mantra which represents that supreme personality, that Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, instead of chanting that and immediately coming to the spiritual platform, they just say, I am spirit. I am that. 
We are that. We're all Narayan. We're all God. It's very important for us to understand the, the significance of taking advantage of the simple process of immediately coming and engaging all of our energy on the spiritual plane. We don't have to work hard to discriminate. It's not this, it's not that. We don't have to work hard to rein the senses in and control them. All we have to work hard at is engaging in spiritual activity according to the prescription of those people that know what's the best spiritual activity for us. And that's the guru. The Supreme Lord is within us. He's given good guidance and intelligence. He's like that voice we should always listen to and we, we don't, we get ourselves in trouble. And he's also out external as the spiritual master giving guidance. And the process is simple. simple. Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, Smaranam Padasevanam. Nine different limbs of devotional activity, ways that we can serve the Supreme here and now and immediately, immediately spiritualize our existence. Shravanam, hearing about the Supreme Lord. Kirtanam, chanting his glories. These are not sectarian things. This is not just the Krishna conscious thing. This is the spiritual thing. Hearing about God, glorifying God, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu. Vishnu means the Supreme Lord, that Supreme Personality. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smarnam. When we hear and chant, then we remember God is the, truly the thing that needs to be remembered in our life. Above, uh, above and beyond everything that we do, let us remember the Supreme. Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu. Smarnam, remembering. Smarnam, Padasavanam. Let me serve him. Let me serve starting in a very humble position. Pada. Pada means the feet. Let me start somewhere. I can't immediately embrace God. Let me, let me take a, very, a little bit of a humble stand. I begin there. Humility. Feeling myself the lowest. Feeling lower than the straw in the street. Devoid of all sense of false prestige. Ready to offer all respects to others. Padasevana means that's where we begin. We serve those that are already serving the Lord's feet. Das, das, anudas. That's where we begin. Very simple. What do they say? Love me, love my dog. Huh? Interesting concept. But works, doesn't it? You may not know the president, but if his dog, he's walking his dog, and you come up and pet the dog, he's immediately, oh, you like my dog. Huh? Similarly, it's interesting. We serve those that already have a relationship with Krishna, with God, then immediately he's pleased. Oh, you're, you're, you're serving my servant. What can I do to help you serve him? Because 
His reciprocation is one of love with his servants, his family members. Travanam kirtanam vishnu smarnam parasevam marchanam vandanam dasyam. We don't have, at this time, we do not have the senses to see the Supreme Lord. Atashri Krishna namadi nabaved graham indriya. Atashri Krishna namadi nabaved graham indriya. The Lord is everywhere. He, he's everywhere through, he's, it permeates his existence. But we have a hard time perceiving him due to our conditioning. Nabaved graham indriya. These indriyas, these senses don't allow us. In fact, it's, the, the verse is saying with the material senses you can't see God. With these eyes you can't see, you can't hear, you can't taste. Tashri Krishna Namadi, Namavigrahamin, Sevan Mukihe Jivadao. But if we can properly begin serving, and the sense that really works here is the tongue. We can taste Krishna Prashadam, we can vibrate Hare Krishna, and immediately that's a spiritual awakening for us. So Archanam, Archanam means. Even though I don't have the senses to perceive the Supreme, he comes into my presence in a form where I can serve. I can look upon the form of Krishna, the Lord. I can appreciate that. I can offer some food. Here, please, you eat. Uh, please, you accept this. Krishna is so kind that when the spiritual master requests that he comes into the archa form, into the, the deity, Krishna comes. And we must never see the deity as a material form. It's very significant. Archanam, Vandanam Dasyam. We offer some worship, some prayers. Archanam, Vandanam Sakyam. Sakyam. We become friends. Meaning, we have lots of, lots of friends in this world. We have lots of people that we appreciate and, and, and we take good uh, counsel from. But there's no better counsel than that coming from Krishna himself. So of all friends, we put the Supreme Lord at the top of the list. Of all lovers, we put the Supreme Lord in the top of that list of all family members of everything. The top, the top is Krishna. Krishna is our dear most friend. And he states that in Bhagavad Gita. That he's sit, sitting in all of our hearts and, and, and he is he's directing our wanderings. And by all the Vedas, we can understand him. Sarvashya Chaham Vasta. To take advantage of this simple philosophy and this simple process, nine simple processes of devotion, devotional life. This simple formula, Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, Smarnam Parasevam, Marchanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmanivedanam. These things immediately place us on the transcendental platform. We don't have to go through 
these preliminary stages, this yoga ladder, these difficult stages of gyan, these difficult uh, stages of yoga practice, we can immediately come to the topmost. And it begins quite simply for us. This chanting, there is nothing more important to our spiritual development than sincere and serious chanting of the Lord's holy names. Whatever names you, nomenclature you have for God, that's good. But this particular mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hari Rama, Hari Rama, 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 Hari Hari. This has some very, very significant esoteric potency. And these names represent the Supreme Lord in his most intimate manifestation and in appreciation of his most intimate loving exchanges with those which he values the most. Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari. Hari, that energy of the Lord, that potency which attracts even him. Lord has unlimited potencies, but what potency of his attracts him the most? Hari, Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna. Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. We, we take advantage. We begin there. Shravanam and Kirtanam. Chanting is the beginning. And in doing this chanting, all the nine processes are involved. They're all including in this simple chanting of Hare Krishna. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Vandana, all there. We can explain this later. We can go on later to it to understand this. But, uh, of anything, please take to this chanting. Take to it seriously. Take to it regularly. The effect will be amazing. Your life will become so spiritually affected. And in the beginning, you may not notice the effect, but it's just like medicine. The doctor gives you the prescription and you start taking. For a while, it's like, is this ever going to work? Is it ever going to have an effect? But eventually it will have an effect. I assure you. I guarantee you. It just takes a little sincere practice. So are there any questions? Comments? Why did you leave? Yeah, why did we leave? Because you, yeah. you have independence. At some point along the way, there's some misuse of independence, and, uh, and now there's knowledge of the proper use of independence. My spiritual master used to put it this way. Uh, he said, 
If you're in a burning building, what's the first task at hand? Get out. Once you're out, you can figure out how the fire started. But we're now in a burning building. Let's work on getting out. These are very subtle spiritual points as to how the fire started and what drove us here. And in due course of time, as we advance spiritually, it will be revealed. Yes, ma'am. You said that the uh, spiritual point is um, also has variegated. Variegatedness, yes. Variegated states. Um, are, are you are you saying that it's the same thing, or that it's uh, are you just talking about? Well, when we look at the spiritual plane, it doesn't change the way this plane changes. Where there's yeah. creation, right. then there's some, some time of, of manifestation, and then it's all round up. Mm -hmm. Spiritual realm's eternal. And the influence of time is not, right. is not there the way it is here. But the exchanges that we have here, the loving exchanges we have, those are there, but they're not perverted the way they are here. Here they're contaminated. Mm -hmm. Here I could have the greatest lover, but my life isn't long and eventually they're gonna be ripped away. Mm -hmm. I could have the greatest child, but then it grows up and turns on me. Right. <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs> but when you said that about the, the yogis don't see the variegations. They have, they don't, that's not their spiritual aspiration. They lack specific knowledge of the transcendental plane because their, their focus is either one of two things. Either they want to control everything, therefore they work real hard to control the senses so they can get what's called mystic cities. You've heard about different cities, you know, the yogis have. Uh, just like sometimes they display them, even the spiritualists will display them to catch our attention. They'll walk on water. They'll turn bag of wine into enough wine for the whole congregation or bread or fish they'll feed everybody they have this mystic power they can make their own planet they control people's minds sometimes they get carried away by those things the specific thing that the Vaishnav the devotee has is he understands that behind all all of this, there is ultimately the supreme personality of Godhead. And he's a person, and he is the topmost reciprocator of loving exchange. Mm -hmm. And the goal, the true goal of spirituality is that loving exchange. That should, that's the goal, that's his goal. He doesn't care to become perfect. He doesn't care to, even if he's left in this world. At the beginning of each week we chant. I don't care. Nadanam nadjanam nasundarim. Pick me up and embrace me or leave me here broken hearted. I still love you. And both in separation and in combining with the Lord, there's a, there's a taste of spiritual exchange there. Whether he's neglecting me or whether he's embracing me, 
their spiritual reciprocation of loving sentiment. Mm -hmm. So even we see like a Jesus Christ, you know, he's about to go and, and be quote, quote, sacrificed on the cross. He's saying, my God, why did, why, what is this, what does I say? What's he say? Uh, why have you forsaken me? Yes, why? Why have you done this? Well, you must have a reason and I love you for it anyway. Let's go. Bring out the nails. That's just, that's the depth of his love. Whatever you want, that's fine. And in that consciousness, there's no material suffering. Now, of course, the Christians, they may argue with this philosophy. Oh, they're suffering. Well, they're suffering, and they're suffering in transcendental love. And that's different. So his suffering is not like the suffering that we experience. It's very unique. The Supreme Lord does not subject his most intimate lovers to what, what we perceive as that suffering. It's, it's a very esoteric point, but it's there. Does that answer your question? Well, I think it deserves it. Yeah, very quickly. Anything else? Thank you so very much. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Thank you.